Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Good morning, everyone. I sound a little funny. Our whole family has endured the plague. And um, if my voice cracks, I'm sorry, I'm going to channel my inner Dr. Jason Myers and drink while I'm preaching hot tea. Um, Really exciting day for us here at Church of the Redeemer. And I know that we have a lot to do in this service today and a lot to celebrate, but I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus loves you. And then turn to your neighbor and say, I'm trying to love you as well. (laughs) So it is a special day. It is as one chapter in the life of Church of the Redeemer is moving into the next and better chapter. And just a reminder for us historically, this is the Sunday when we had our first ongoing service as Church of the Redeemer about 13 years ago. So it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to see the stones that God has built as we heard read in Joshua this morning. Socrates once said, the secret to change is to focus all your energy not on fighting the old, but building the new. Today marks a special event where one baton is passing to another. But in this baton pass, and it's very important for us to anchor today's, um, this event in the scriptures, in this baton pass, what is important is not the runner or the runners, but the race. The Apostle Paul teaches something deeply profound for us to hear today in the ministry of leadership. He says, as Bishop Steve reminded us so eloquently, what, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. What is amazing is the transition that's represented here is multi-level and multifaceted. Obviously, Dan's institution as dean is a great celebration for us, but we also sit as two bishops in the room where a similar baton will be passed down the road. So transitions always abound in life. And as the people of God, we want to honor transitions, but realize that God's gospel, the message of redemption, is what is most important. We are a church here witnessing these things. And all of us are subject to transitions as well. There are parents who are passing the family mantle down to their younger children. There are those of us on a team who are moving into a starting role. There are graduating seniors in high school and college. Some of you here are contemplating retirement. 
or better known as double the spouse, half the income. Baton passes are a part of life. So how do the scriptures view the role of leaders in the church? Let's again consider this passage from Corinthians this morning. First of all, it is important to be reminded everyone is made in the image of God. Everyone. Yet everyone is unique. There are no pers two persons who have lived who are exactly the same physically, emotionally, spiritually. But the leadership of the church is not based upon human agency, but divine providence. Certainly, without question, leadership matters. The popular church leadership guru, so famous in the previous decades, a man named John Maxwell once said, and it's turned into this very popular phrase, everything rises and falls on leadership. The famous um, farmer term turned inventor, and now uh, a famous pharmaceutical company, the, the person who founded it, Eli Lilly, who served as the senior warden of Christ Church in Indianapolis, once wrote a history of that institution, Christ Church, which was several hundred years old. He concluded, when we had a good pastor, we grew and flourished. When we didn't, we didn't. That's my paraphrase, of course. But listen to Paul. The church in Corinth, some would say, but I follow Paul. Others would say, but Apollos, that's our guy. The temptation in our humanity is to concentrate on a particular leader and their particular gifts. The problem with that is there are no two leaders alike. So a young church planter, when I was a young church planter and my first time as a rector, the former chief operating officer of U.S. Steel came into my office early on after we got started, and he, bought, he brought a bucket of water in, and I thought he was going to throw it on me. He probably wanted to, but he said, Alan, I want you to do something. I want you to put your arm in this bucket, and I, you know, I'm a little skeptical, little trust issues in life. I thought, is this a trick? So I stuck my arm in the bucket of water, and he said, now pull it out, and I pulled it out. He said, what do you notice about the water? I said, it went right back where my hand was. And he looked at me and he said, we're really excited that you're here to be our rector, but I want you to know you are replaceable. Someone will come and take your place. Leadership is for a season. The gospel is a message that will be celebrated into eternity. Secondly, each of us is made in a unique, special way with our unique gifts of personality, physicality, and all the faculties that we use in ministry and leadership and life. But again, let's listen to Paul. He says, what, what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each to his task. My English-minded brain always reads this passage and thinks, shouldn't he be saying, who is Apollos? And who 
is Paul. He doesn't ask that question. He says, what is Apollos? What is Paul? What are they? He lifted the focus of their personhood to the office. And the office that they serve is actually more important than the personality they are to the Corinthians. I know this is hard to believe because we are so personality focused. It's all about the leader and the way that they do it and what they deliver. On my bishop's ring, inside the interior, and many thanks to the folks of Church of the Redeemer for this gift, there's an inscription, and it says, always a deacon. The unique role of leadership is servanthood. In fact, we find in the scriptures more references to servanthood than leadership. Although there is certainly a gift of leadership, Paul says in Romans, let those with the gift of leadership lead. But servanthood is the more enduring, beautiful quality of leadership. This is why Paul says in another place in Philippians, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found as in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Friends, servanthood is a quality always in short supply. There are so many great examples of it in this body of Church of the Redeemer. I'm always amazed at seeing people simply show up and serve, show up to help. Some, are you, some of you are so impressive and inspirational in the way that you serve because at 52 years of age, I find few things more attractive than the person who is willing to serve and not ask for credit. The person who is willing to serve without the need for applause of men and women. Paul refocuses the nature of our human tendency to look for leaders rather to look for servants. 1 Samuel 16:7 says, "Man, men and women, we look at outward appearances but the Lord looks into the heart. And the heart of church leadership is servanthood. Again, leaders are only servants. And their servanthood, Paul says, is so that you, the body of Christ, come to believe in the name and the promises of Jesus. That is the purpose of servanthood so that you come to believe that Jesus is the Christ and that this belief comes as the Lord has assigned each servant to their particular task and their particular season. Humanity has always, always fallen prey to a cult of celebrity. 
And, you know, there's a family that were, was a part of Church of the Redeemer in the early days, and they would text me every Saturday night. And they would ask me, who's preaching tomorrow? And that was the litmus test for whether they would show up for church. And I, I figured this out after a while. And I started to respond to their texts. And after two or three times, they stopped texting me and then they stopped showing up. I would text, Jesus is preaching tomorrow. He would love for you to come and hear his voice. Servanthood does not fail because servanthood isn't interested in self-gain, but in others' gain. Again, Paul says, hey, I planted the seed here in Corinth. I started this work. I worked with the leaders. I set the direction. But another person comes along, and their job is watering. And watering is just as crucial as planting. It is giving the seeds and the plant all that it needs to grow and have deep roots. But all along, Paul says, whether planting or watering, that work is God's project, not the planters nor the waterers alone. In fact, he says it this way, God has been making it grow all along. When people ask me about the secret of how Church of the Redeemer has matured, I say, we hired Drew Hill, first of all. I say, God has done this work, and he's used us to do it. And that is a great thing to celebrate. It's what God has done, not us alone. Thirdly, each person has a different input of their labor, a different way that they serve. The one who plants, Paul says, and the one who waters have one purpose, and they're going to be rewarded according to their labor. You are going to be rewarded for how you serve Christ in the spaces and the places that he has called you. Planting and watering are important tasks, and each requires a different kind of work. Our first staff meeting was me looking in a mirror. Now a staff meeting around here is a logistical enterprise. We have to have childcare and coffee and bagels. We have to turn on the heat in this room, all sorts of fun stuff. But both are precious and beautiful seasons in the life of the church. It's a different kind of work, but both are important. Listen to the way that Paul describes the relationship of the planter and the waterer. He says they are co-laborers in God's service. They work together, even though those are different activities. In verse 9, he sounds it out so clear. For we are co-workers in God's service. You and I and each other in this body of Church of the Redeemer we are co-workers. And then he uses two great analogies. You are God's field and you are God's building. Let me explain those. Since we are co-workers in God's service, it's actually about the church and the message the church delivers. I know that we live in a day where people are skeptical 
and jaundice against the church and about the church. I know that. But the church is not a structure or just a corporate entity, a 501c3 event. The church is God's field and it's God's building in you. And as Paul gives us these to consider, I would encourage you this morning to think about this verse. We are co-workers in God's service. You are his field and his building. Consider them, learn them, mark them, inwardly digest them. The church as a field and as a building. With the analogy of a field, we know that a field belongs to the owner. It's deeded to that owner. We belong to the Lord for three reasons. One, he has created us. Two, he has preserved us. You were enabled by God's care and preservation to get out of your bed and show up here this morning. And lastly, by right of redemption, he bought you with an infinite price to be his own field. Paul later says in the same book of Corinthians, chapter 6, you, friends, you're not your own. The great misconception that we have as strong, powerful Americans is we are free and autonomous. If you are in Christ, you are not your own. You have been purchased with a price, the life of Christ. And you are being built as a temple to God's glory. So a field is a place where the planting of seeds and the watering of seeds take place. It is where God's growth is displayed. It's why I love that this church is more than a box where we show up occasionally. It's also a farm where you can walk 30 yards and see tangibly and be exposed frequently to this living reality. This church is a field where the gospel is planted in the hearts of those who belong. But it is also a building, not a physical building necessarily. Of course, we have one, and it's really great. And I tell you, I will always remember this story as long as I'm in, alive and in ministry it was so great to move here and not have to worry about our communion wine being stolen at the high school. <laughs> it disappeared week after week. It's, it's a gift to have a physical building. But Paul's letting us know something very profound. The church is not just a physical structure. When the delight or the passion of building an impressive physical structure exceeds the gospel imperative of building people, the metaphor breaks down. In fact, Paul is very clear. The real building is the people, not the structure. The goal of the church's work is your and my maturity in Christ. The apostle Peter says it this way, you as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house, a royal priesthood, to offer up sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 2. It is God's utmost delight to see believers today 
being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 2. It is certainly a great privilege and responsibility to be called and chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ to be a co-builder of his church with him. And I want to say this. I don't believe there's anything more exciting, satisfying, and purposeful than serving the Lord in building his church for eternity. Paul didn't take this responsibility lightly, neither should we. He writes again in another place in Corinthians later in this section, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on the foundation of Jesus Christ. What we are building upon here at Church of the Redeemer is the foundation of Jesus. It is in him that we live and move and have our being. The great hymn writer Samuel Stone said it so well, and we sang it earlier. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, the Lord. She is the new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride, and with his blood he bought her, and for her life he died. Today it is so important to be clear. Daniel Thomas Alger, this field, this building called Church of the Redeemer is now your vocation, your call, and your ministry. But we, you and I, and all who come after us are co-workers, and now you are adding to the foundation. Build well, my friend. Build well in a manner pleasing to the Lord. Serve faithfully. I've known Dan 20 years. I've loved him five. <laughs> I've loved Karen 20. We were planting Anglican churches when no, understood, no one understood that name at all. They called it Angelicans. We've labored together. We've laughed. We've cried. We've struggled. We've challenged each other. We've served the church. We've watched our children born, grown, through the years, we've vacationed, we've played together. But in all my wildest dreams, I never would have imagined you would be here. And not because I don't think so highly. I could not have planned or imagined this moment. I ran into Dan the other day at Food Lion, and it was the, it was the simple Christmas Eve grocery run, and it was the first time that we've met out and about in the community since they've lived here. But it was a much more powerful experience for me than probably for you. As you walked out the door, I thought, he is here now. This is his community. And today, this is the church you serve as dean and senior pastor. 
Dan and Karen and their family moved here two years ago. And while they came here to lead the church, the, the church planting work that Dan serves as the director of Always Forward, the Lord began knocking on their door. You see, I've watched this the way the Lord works. He has a way to take our best ideas and reveal his best plans. I asked the vestry after a period of time to consider Dan, first serving as the senior associate rector to help to help me and to help this church in the next season of life. And they agreed wholeheartedly. Then after the election over the summer, I knew that it was time for a transition to come upon this church. And so the vestry again sought, prayed, listened, discussed, and voted. And Bishop Steve approved that this church would become a pro-cathedral of the diocese and Dan Alger as the dean. For Angela Kay and I, serving this church has been... <laughs> waving at me in the back. It has been our greatest joy. You have shaped us. You have changed us. You have loved, loved us well. You've challenged us. You've rejoiced with us. And we love you. So Dan, in Church of the Redeemer, this morning let me make a few simple charges to you. And I would like you to stand as I do it. <clears throat> so Dan, first, my brother, stay close to Jesus. Church of the Redeemer, pray for your dean, your senior pastor. Dan, keep the vision. Acts 2, being and becoming this place of great devotion where the Lord is at work. Church of the Redeemer, live this vision. Measure your life by it. Dan, Serve this church with gentleness and humility. Church of the Redeemer, be a people of hope. Dan, preach the gospel. Never boast in anything but the cross of Christ. Church of the Redeemer, love your neighbor as yourself. Once again, the Apostle Paul. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Thank you, Lord, for these truths. We ask you to bless this church. We ask you to bless its leaders. We ask you to bless its members. All for your glory, the glory of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.